bum bum bottom 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 bum bum
And I think the last concert movie I went to that we went to was a repertory screening of Watt Stacks at the AFI mm -hmm. Silver. So it was cool to see how the concert movie has evolved since then. And what Taylor Swift does with the Eras Tour movie is really just present the concert. There's very little behind the scenes. There's very little, uh, sh you know, interaction with the crowd. It's basically the camera planted on the stage and we, we get to be there in the SoFi Stadium, uh, you know, enjoying it with everybody else. I did not anticipate enjoying it all of the way through. I it's was like long. literally riveted the entire time. It's like three hours or yeah. nearly three hours. And I don't know. I might become a let's see a concert at the movies girly. I'm like looking forward to the Beyonce movie now. Oh, yeah. Renaissance December 1st, everybody. Yes, please mark your calendars. And since this is Thanksgiving week that we're dropping this episode, I think we have to be thankful for Taylor Swift now. I know. I know. I never saw this day coming. I resisted pop music for so long. I was such a hipster. I just really was. And I apologize. I don't judge myself in the past, but I apologize. I do think, Lisa, it's interesting how defensive, even to this moment, yes. speaking into the microphone, I'm very uncomfortable. you are of your love of Taylor Swift, yes. which is weird since like the first concert you actually ever went to was the Monkees and the first band you ever fell in love with was the Monkees. You should embrace pop, your, your pop self today. Yeah. Yeah, I like a manufactured image. <laughs> I don't know what to say. What you say, Lisa, is I am thankful for Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. Say it. <sighs> I am thankful for Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. And I, Lisa Gullickson, am a Swifty. <sighs> I don't know. I don't like I'm still <laughs> resisting because I feel like. Um, the Swifties, like that's a very tight community mm -hmm. and I would hate to try to worm my, worm my way in, mm -hmm. but I was talking to one of my clients, one of the parents of one of my students. And, um, she was like, she's like, Mrs. Gullickson, are you a Swiftie now? And I was like, oh, I couldn't possibly call because myself a Swiftie. Because you told her that you went to the heiress And tour? that I really enjoyed it. And she goes like, oh yeah. And now like she is dating someone from football. And I was like, oh yeah, the Chiefs. And she's like, yeah, what's his name? I was like, Travis Kelsey. And <laughs> and then she was like, and yes, there's something going on with the rest of her music. Like she, she, what is that about? And I was like, oh, it's about Scooter Braun. And she's like, you know all of, you know all of the names. And I was like, I guess once you learn enough uh, tangential proper nouns, like you're a fan. And did she say that you are a Swifty? She yes. recognized that you were a Swifty? She recognized that I was a Swifty. I think you're a Swifty and I think it's really rad. And I, I mean, that's what we do at Comic Book Couples Counseling, right? We, we talk about that uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, San Diego Comic-Con or comic book conventions, you'll wander into a room, you know, like, like remember that time we we wanted to go see the Good Place uh, panel at San Diego and to get into that room, we had to get into it a few panels earlier. So we found ourselves in the Steven Universe panel. Yes. And we were outsiders amongst that fandom. But by marinating in that fandom, we were like, oh, man, I think we're. I think we need to get into Steven Universe, and I think we need to become Steven Universe fans. But like that, that's how it works. That that but that conversion never took. Like we were immersed in the like pheromones of people's joy, um, where uh, the the Taylor Swift thing has really hooked me in a way I have not anticipated, and like I'm a little bit wary of. No, don't embrace, be wary. Embrace. Embrace. I'm so. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm so happy. Why would I, why would I resist? My point is that there are many stages in life and there are many opportunities to discover things. Mm. And even if you are late to the party with Taylor Swift, that's okay because I was pretty late to the party when I discovered the blues. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, or when I discovered like Eddie Floyd, you know, there are so many great things that have been created on this planet and it's impossible to know all of them immediately when you were born. So as a uh, an enthusiastic geek, Lisa, we continually find things in the past and they become new and energized for us. And like Taylor Swift is not the past. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is so very much So you shouldn't the be present. resistant to it at all. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess what I'm afraid of is twofold, right? One thing I'm afraid of gatekeepers. <laughs> like I'm afraid of somebody going like it's impossible. That's their problem. That's, That's their not problem, not problem. my problem. Yes, I release that. I release that anxiety. And then the other thing is, what if there's something about Taylor Swift I do not know, and it rains on my parade? Which... Well, that's a problem with loving anything, right? Yeah. You, you, I think that you've been burned recently by a lot of creators, a lot of artists that you adore, and then they reveal themselves to be heinous in some kind of way. And, you know, like, that's that's the danger of idolizing anybody. Yeah, that's and the so danger of loving. Maybe you need to, we all need to, as a culture, pull back, hit the brakes on idolization a little mm. bit. Or uh, separate, like separate my love and my enthusiasm from the person. Like, the person can disappoint me, but that doesn't reflect I, I, on me. I mean, I think that's a choice for individuals, right? And, you know, some things are more difficult than other things. I, But I do think it's a little weird for you to anticipate Taylor yeah. Swift disappointing uh, you in some way. <laughs> Afraid of something I do not know. Uh, yeah. I, like, I, I couldn't possibly know. I think know. that is just something you got to get over. Yeah. You're right. If there's anybody who knows about loving and then being disappointed by it, it is Taylor Swift because she has written a thousand <laughs> songs about it. Loving is perilous, but worthwhile. At the very least, I'm looking forward to the next con encounter with Mitch so the two of you can bond <laughs> over your Swifty t-shirts. Yes, yes. And to tell him it was because of his t-shirts. Those t-shirts worked. If they were any kind of conversion device, it success. And the other late to the party infatuation that we had this week was Titans. Yes. You know, we were not Teen Titans readers prior to, I don't know, 48 hours ago. Mm -hmm. And when we got word that we were going to have an opportunity to chat with Tom Taylor about the new DC Comics crossover event, Titans Beast World, we went into binge mode and we read all of Taylor's recent Titans comics. And I kind of fell in love with these characters. I know that these are beloved characters, you know, Young Justice and Teen Titans Go. Like, I love Teen Titans Go. But for whatever reason, neither of us had ever explored the characters in comics. And they've had such iconic runs. At the same time, even though they are like these major figures in popular culture, they've never had a comics event like Beast World before. And that's really weird, but also exciting. It is exciting because that first rung of DC superheroes has been so impenetrable for so long. There is no beating Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. And I love seeing DC make space for more people. 
Titans Beast World number one comes out next week on the 28th. And it is an event that you can just jump into whether or not you've read the first five issues of Tom Taylor's Titans run. Although I would recommend it having now done so. Because they're good comics. They are really good comics. And, you know, I don't know why it took me so long to read those five issues because Lisa and I have been loving Nightwing. Mm -hmm. And Nightwing and Titans are in conversation with each other. So Tom Taylor is building something really special in his corner of the DC universe. And Beast World is very much a part of that and expanding that. But it is new reader friendly. You know, the basic plot synopsis of the first issue of Beast World is that Brother Eternity, the former Brother Blood, has sent a mission into space, these astronaut cultists of his, to explore the moon Titan. And on the moon Titan, they discover the Necrostar. And I know if you read Solicits, you know a lot more of what's going on in Beast World. And Tom is going to talk about certain specifics regarding what happens with that Necrostar in regards to Beast Boy's approach. Beast Boy has a plan. This is Beast World. In a lot of ways, this is Beast Boy's story, his event. Those spoilers are out there. And in here within this conversation, but they did not come from us. They yeah, came from Tom. I was both shocked and excited that he would throw in spoilers. But like, guys, those of you who are resistant to spoilers, I feel like if they come from the mouth of the creator, like you have to like just accept that. They're not that bad. They no. don't ruin the narrative in any way. I low-key don't believe in spoilers. And this is a relatively short conversation. We only had 15 minutes with Tom and it serves as a teaser for Beast World and hopefully for a longer conversation with Tom Taylor about Beast World at a future date. But before we bring Tom Taylor into the love nest for this conversation, we need to do some referrals. As always, this segment is sponsored by Omnibus. What is Omnibus? It is a modern digital comic book store and reader app carrying your favorite single issues, volumes, and omnibuses all day and date. Just like your local comic book store, you pay per book, but digital. Their focus is on building an excellent customer shopping and reading experience and using novel discovery features to help fans find their next new favorite book. They feature top tier content and already have many of the top publishers in comics today. In the spirit of helping people find their next new favorite book, we have our referrals segment. The idea is to give you, the counselees, further reading on the themes of the episode. Think of it as us sending you to specialists to further your healing journey through comic books. And as of last week, you can now browse Omnibus on any browser, any device. You don't need just an iPad. So go to the links in this show notes, pull up Omnibus and start shopping their digital store. I chose to celebrate Archie Comics finally coming to Omnibus. And um, my selection is from their Chilling Adventures series, the little spooky horror corner of Archie. I mean, it's my favorite corner of Archie, right? It's so fun. So what I chose to relate back to Titans is Camp Pickens. Mm. I've never been to Sleepaway Camp. The only way I know about Sleepaway Camp is from watching Friday the 13th. And Sleepaway Camp? And sli- I've never actually seen Sleepaway oh, Camp. Oh, <laughs> goodness gracious. Oh, boy. There's a referral for you, everybody. Watch Sleepaway Camp. But it always seems so ridiculous to me 
that the camp counselors are only like two to three years older <laughs> than the camp attendees. Uh-huh. And according to films, they're the only people there. And they're mostly preoccupied with trying to have sex with each other yeah. and trying to stop the slasher. Um, <laughs> and it reminds me of the John Mulaney bit where he's like having a teenager babysit is like having, uh, hiring a horse to watch your dog. It's just like ridiculous. <laughs> and how that relates to Titans is the Titans have just barely stopped being the teen Titans. And now they are the guys. They are the team that have been called upon to save the day. They have severe responsibilities. And it feels premature, right? Right? So Camp Pickens is actually an anthology book with three stories, three horror stories that take place at Riverdale's favorite sleepaway camp where the horses are watching the dogs. <laughs> um, so one of the stories is by friend of the pod, Jordan Morris. The story is called Bug Juice. And it's when you find out that the bug juice isn't just a fun substitute for a more nutritious beverage at camp, but it is actually keeping the bug monsters away. And when we run out of bug juice, ooh, that's bad news. I thought you were going to say, it's actually bug juice. Gross. <laughs> it is actually bug Gross. juice, but that is a spoiler. <laughs> the line art is by Diana Camaro for that story. And the colorist is... Friend of the pod, friend in real life, future guest, and colorist, Matt Herms. How fun is that? So, um, highly recommend Camp Pickens. It is not just horrific, it is also very funny and fun, and I recommend. I'm also going to stick with the Archie's vibe, because I agree, Archie's and Titans, they feel like the same family. And I wanted to highlight something that happened several years ago, but I think like people had forgotten. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because it was so wild and cool at the time. But Archie relaunched their main series, Archie, with Mark Wade writing and Fiona Staples from Saga illustrating. And the first volume of that is up on Omnibus, and I highly recommend it. I wish, <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that Fiona Staples is still on Saga. You know, every issue from her, it's amazing. I would not want to rip her away from Saga. But I do also wish that she had done a little bit more beyond the first volume of Archie because she was so perfect for these Riverdale characters, as was Mark Wade. And Mark Wade did a couple volumes before, like, Nick Spencer and Mariko Tamaki came on. But again, like, Nick Spencer and Mariko Tamaki coming on and following Mark Wade, like, this Archie series was top tier. And I don't think we celebrate it uh, as, as much as we should in 2023. So here's your chance to go back and see kind of like this ultimate universe version of Archie, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica. It's a lot of fun. Comic Book Couples Counseling eventually has to get oh, to yeah. the love triangle, the ultimate love triangle of Archie Comics. And Archie Comics is kind of like to to tie this all together in a beautiful bow. Kind of like Taylor Swift, where I'm just like, can I be a fan? Is it too late? No, Has it's that ship sailed? Can I be an Archie girl? I don't know. I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> you can be an Archie girl, Lisa. And I think you should start with the Mark Wade and Fiona Staples book, which is on Omnibus. And uh, yeah, we were supposed to cover Archie, Betty, and Veronica on Comic Book Couples Counseling in 2023. It didn't happen, but it will happen in 2024. It's so on the vision board. Get 
on Archie right now and do so through Camp Pickens and the Mark Wade and Fiona Staples volume. I can pretty much guarantee that that volume will be part of our Betty, Veronica, and Archie counseling session series. Yeah, read along with us. How fun. And that's going to bring us to the end of our... Referrals! Once again, Titans Beast World is coming from DC Comics next week on the 28th. The ongoing series just had its fifth issue, so now is a perfect opportunity to go back and read those five if you have not already. And Beast World will be crossing over into all of the DC universe, so prepare yourself for the coming of the Necrostar. Do you know what would be a great solution for the Necrostar? Uh, no. People wearing masks. <laughs> Cover your holes. It's for your safety. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. You don't want one of those spores in your gob. A lesson that Batman learned the hard way, which Tom spoils in this conversation. And DC solicits. It's out there. It's out there. It's not that huge of a spoiler. Batman will become a wolf. Black Adam will become a lion. We talk about it with Tom Taylor right now. Tom, welcome to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. Hello. We are so excited to talk Titans Beast World. These Titans are 20-somethings, and we we cannot trust the universe to 20-somethings. And it's kind of fascinating to think about how that's how they were referred to when they were teenagers, but now they're 20-somethings, and there's something even more less trustworthy with a 20-something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is. it certainly comes up a number of times, particularly... From Amanda Waller, who's like, you can't do this, Mr. President. They're 20-somethings. And 20-somethings are essentially like saying scum. Um, yeah, in the eyes of some elderly uh, politicians and world leaders. Um, yeah, it, it certainly comes up and it's certainly a thing. Like, to me, I feel like the generational conflict comes through in the, in the very first issue when... Batman starts the big meeting with, I've got an idea and it's probably going to have to go this way. Gar goes like, also have an idea and it might actually work. It is very older generation to burst into something with certainty, to sell certainty first, where I feel like, you know, 20 somethings, they've taken a few hits in the past year and maybe like that that certainty has been sort of undermined yeah absolutely i think yeah batman comes in with with a standard amazing batman idea and uh it's and gar points out that it, maybe it's not so amazing and he has a better one uh and he does to be to be honest but yeah it's certainly that sort of intergenerational thing that was always part of this we've always seen that you know you're too young as the sidekicks to have your own team. We've seen these sort of tropes before, but they were actually Teen Titans at the time. And this is all about the Titans becoming the premier superhero team of the DCU. So we wanted to sort of, you know, we wanted to actually address that. We wanted to say, yes, this is what's happened in the past. And in the past, they would have just folded and gone with Batman's idea or Mr. Terrific or whoever. But now they're stepping up. They're, you know, it literally... We were in a situation where only Garfield Logan, only Beast Boy could save the world. Um, right after uh, Gar comes in with his idea, Raven stands up to him 
in a stands way, up to Batman. Stands up to Batman in such an emotionally cutting way. Like she goes straight for like, you know, his soft spots of like, you know, Gar isn't one of your Robins, you know? Do you feel like because the no longer teen Titans have this relationship with Nightwing that perhaps the shine of the Batman apple is like perhaps not so shiny anymore? I think, yeah, because you do have Nightwing who at the moment is in this this very big place in the entire DC universe. You know, he's... He's done what he's done for Bloodhaven. He's he's a sad, He's brought the Titans over. He's been asked to lead, and he's their friend. He's like their brother. This this group is so different to the Justice League. This isn't a group of you know minor deities who hang out on the weekends and come together to punch evil in the face. This is a group of friends who've grown up with each other and they know each other really well. And so, in instances like this, yes, of course, they have each other's backs as well as in the field, but as well, you know, in a room where they have to stand up to power. Of course, they're, they're going to have each other's backs, and you see that with Raven. And then you instantly see Nightwing step in and say, hey, Batman, listen to this. And Batman's like, I trust you implicitly. Batman takes that step back and gives them all the floor. It's these you know, he's a, he's a good detective, I've heard. So he's like, oh, maybe this will work. That's what's so exciting about Titans being the go-to team in the DC universe because they do have that bond. Like they feel like a family in a way that even the Justice League do not. Can you talk about what it means for the Titans to be the superhero team in the DC universe? Uh, it means so many things. I mean, I think it's it fulfills a promise that that feels like it's always been there and we just thought, would have already happened by now. I think when we were sort of coming up with the, the idea that there would be a Titans book, and I was like, well, can it be sort of the OG cast? And everyone's like, oh, you know, that's being done. I'm like, it hasn't. Like, we have not seen this group act as a unit and as a family and as friends in 20-something years. Like, it just hasn't. It just feels like we have. Um, but I think them stepping up into this role is incredibly important. And... It's, you know, it, it just was time. I think also there's a fandom for them. You know, there's the Titans TV show, there's there's Titans Go, there was a Teen Titans animated series before that. So, so many people, my own children included, have grown up with the Titans as their heroes. They haven't had Justice League Unlimited on television. They've had Titans. You know, they've had Beast Boy and Cyborg and Pizzas. Um, they've had Robin and and Starfire, and they've, you know, this is what they're used to. So we wanted to, you know, I I, I, I like fan service. I think fan service is good. So I'm like, here, have some fan service and watch them interact. And also I think what I love about this group as heroes and as, as a team and as people who come together is just how maturely they deal with things. Like it's like, no, we don't have to act like this. I've known you forever. I know how you're feeling. Let's just, you know, let's sit in the kitchen and have a cup of tea and, Talk this through. You good? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, great. Let's go, you know, now let's go save the world. Good idea. Yeah, they don't have to get bogged down in, yeah, in weird sort of macho alpha stuff that you occasionally see from Batman and, you know, Superman and these and these people on these teams in the past. So then what is the challenge for doing an event like this where you do have on the sidelines Batman and Superman and the Justice League members, but they are not right for this moment. How do you make sure that this story is servicing, but not just servicing, but 
uplifting uh, the Titans. Well, I think a really a really good idea and a really key thing is to turn Batman into a wolf. Like straight away. That's what you do. Like, well, he he's gone, oh he can't we can't he can't save the world right now. He's all right. Um uh for people listening on a you know, because this is a podcast and it's audio only, I made our uh claw hands. Very effectively. We respect really, really yeah. It's tremendous acting. Um yeah, like he you know, he's a wolf. We took him off the board. We can't, you know, well, can't deal with him, he's in a cage. Um and, you know, that was the case for a lot of them. But I felt when writing this event, any time, like I had much bigger plans for a lot of other characters and any time the focus left the Titans, the, 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 the whole event dragged. So, you know, it was kind of imperative to me that I kept going with the Titans, which is sad because, man, Detective Chimp had a great story in this. <laughs> That's it. But, yeah. I love where you start this run thematically with talking about the cycle of heroism where it starts with despair and goes to hope and inspiration and triumph but then you parallel that to brother eternity and how these sa- this same cycle can take us to a really terrible place like hope is not an emotion hope is a cognitive process as we know from Brene Brown right so like <laughs> Why did you choose to start in that place? And and was there anything specifically that inspired you to make that parallel? I think I wanted to sort of hang a lantern on the way events always tend to go or how we expect as as readers to to absorb an event. We go, okay, this will happen. There'll, there'll be this shocking thing will happen. And then something else bad will happen. But then the, the heroes will rise and all come together and everything will be great. Uh, and it, this event, that's not the case. I mean, that is a coda that, that what's said in narration at the beginning of this book is, is true of the whole series right up until the last pages. Um, so I can't, I can't say too much except, you know, for that word of warning that the heroes don't always win. Sometimes your friend is turned into a giant star conqueror and loses his mind and infects the world with spores and they turn into animals. That is just a thing that happens on a bad Friday night. Does it ever feel perilous to subvert that expectation? Yeah, I mean they're heroes, so you need to make sure that everybody gets heroic moments, and you get and you and we need to remind because this is the Titans' first event. The Titans need to shine. You know, they need to be the heroes that we need them to be. Um, But we also need to make sure that their threats are real threats, Um, and particularly with the rise of Amanda Waller throughout this series, um, with the with whoever's behind the mask of Dr. Hate um, and, of course, Beast Boy himself and these rampaging animals and and what is the true threat. I mean, you know, I just think if, if you've ever read any of my stuff before, if you've read any of my alternate universe stuff, if you've read Deceased or Dark Knights of Steel or Injustice, you know, I, I, I like hurting people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I, it's, for me, it's not about the giant being in the sky. It's about the character on the ground and what they're feeling. And so if we can, you know, make sure that the characters stand up and are also crushed and we bring people along for the journey and people enjoy themselves and are sad and are happy, then I've done my job. Being comic book couples counseling and being myself, like it's always the relationships that have me coming back. Once I leave a run, like I don't necessarily remember the ins and outs of the bad guys and the good guys, but I do remember who is kissing. Like that is like the most important thing to me. And I love 
Gar and Raven as a couple. I think that they they have that kind of nice like balance of of dark and light and naivete and emotional scars and and how is it writing them as a as a romantic couple versus writing Dick and Babs as a romantic couple? Well, I think Dick and Babs are you know they 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 have their guards up, but mm-hmm. not like not like Beast Boy and Raven. Like Beast Boy and Raven. They haven't done this before, not really. Like, you know, Dick and Babs are very competent people, you know, but and Raven hasn't had someone really come in and just say, I want to be that person for you. I want to, you know, I will love you unconditionally. Uh, you know, it's, yes, you're the daughter of a demon and you've got, you know, that sort of hell baggage. But I'm like, whatever, I'm here for you. And it's the same for Beast Boy. He's just gone through an enormous amount of trauma and dark crisis and, you know, doesn't exactly have a fun time in this event either, but Raven is always there. You know, when he makes the big change, when he has to turn into a whale to become, to to have the brain capacity to become the next step and to become Saro, become Garo, um, she's there in his mind to take half of his pain and to just be there beside him. And, you know, I don't think either of them have had that sort of that person in their lives before, and it, there's something really beautiful about it. You know, Nicholas got love drawing them. Uh, on in the Titans run, and as soon as I started writing them, I'm like, ah, of course, this is the heart. Beast Boy is the heart of the Titans, so of course he's the person I will carve out with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, I think that is such a beautiful moment when he becomes a whale, and you realize, like, because of the the increased size of his brain, he is so much smarter. But just because he's smarter, he's not any wiser, and he's not yeah. any more experienced. So like that kind of emotional vulnerability is just still so present. And I, and I think that that is, you know, like, like you said, that's what makes him the heart of the Titans. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're both emotionally vulnerable. Like, you know, Raven has this amazing front, but you know, she's got so much to deal with, you know, she's been through so much, you know, I mean, obviously has some, some daddy issues. Uh, if you, if your dad is literally, a lord of hell that's gonna be there um but you know the expectations of her the fact that she's always supposed to have sort of turned evil you know and there's and yet there's this person who isn't scared of her and who loves her unconditionally and is beside her and vice versa i, I love their relationship they're great and what does exploring the relationships of titans give you that you know working in nightwing or superman does not uh i think it's it's a very very different setup um it's it's because i mean obviously there's seven of them seven is always a magic number but i've written a lot of the justice league and there is always these are huge superheroes who come together every now and then and fight evil and they do it very very well um i like i love superman and batman together i love that world's finest friendship um but this is as we've said before this is a family this is a group who are all actually now living under the one roof. Like, they're, they're essentially in a share house. Um, you know, Nightwing's dog is there a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, a group of people who live in a share house and save the world is a very different dynamic. And, you know, working with Titans Beast World versus working on Titans, the regular monthly, uh, how, do you, how do you determine what you tell in one versus the other? Uh, it was a decision I made early on. Well, really, the way you work it out is you go, oh, this doesn't fit here. <laughs> I'll, I'll go here. Um, so, yeah, there's certainly 
the everything that you'll see in the Titans sort of crossover is something we had to tell in Titans anyway, and it's all about Brother Eternity and what happens with him and what he wanted, his motivations, what happens next. Um, it's a really big story for Starfire. Um, as we find out, she's kind of, you know, her her entire race has a history with the Necrostar, this thing that's unleashed from the moon. So in Titans, you're going to see that aspect. And we've been, because the first five issues of Titans have all been about Brother Eternity and that rise, that was the right place to have that. And that's where you're going to see Tempest show up as well. Mm. We're just yes. getting into uh, Beast World and uh, we're nervous for a lot of characters, especially knowing who is steering the ship here. Uh, so, we're... I, Yeah, I'm so glad I erased that spoiler off of my whiteboard behind me. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Well, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us uh, for a little bit. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have to, like, hit you back up uh, once everything's uh, all said and done with Beast World. Absolutely. Happy to come back. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. Our thanks again to Tom Taylor for joining us to discuss Titans Beast World. Again, the first issue comes out next Tuesday on the 28th. Lisa, I really enjoyed talking to Tom about how the Titans are always the youngins, mm -hmm. right? Uh, even when they're no longer the teen Titans, they are now the 20-something Titans. And how the DC Universe, especially people like Amanda Waller, go, oh, those children, 20-year-olds, they think they're adults, but they so are not. I think part of it is the communication gap where now certainty... Um, feels dangerous and, and a little bit toxic. And it is more honest to go in and go like, I have a plan that kind of might work, you know? I'm excited to see that idea explored more. Like 15 minutes with Tom Taylor, straight not up, enough. not enough. And you hear us wildly cast lines for deeper conversations. That we could not have. That we can't have because <laughs> right. we have no idea where the story is going to go. Right, 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 right. I'm very excited about the story, though. Me right? too. And what I think is interesting about the Titans is the fact that that generational gap must be there. Even when you remove the teenage from them you have to have they, they have to have a younger spirit than the other soldiers of the dc universe right when you're separated generationally there's just going to be a relatability disconnect and i think that that's going to make for some interesting storytelling yeah exploring that is super relatable because every generation does go through it yeah we're we're all we all are the teenagers who don't understand the adults and we are all the adults who don't understand the teenagers and then when we become 20 somethings we're like I can't believe I was such a ridiculous teenager. And then now when you're in your 30s, you're like, oh my gosh, my 20 self. Oof, what a child <laughs> that person was. And Tom Taylor talks about how, you know, he's not really there for the plot. He's there for the character. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing for us. And exploring the generational divide between Nightwing and Batman, that's why we come to Titans. We really don't come to Titans for the Necrostar, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I come to Titans because I love Beast Boy and Ray. Even because in the in the intro you said we hadn't read any Titan I did stuff. Say that. Did I, I did something? read the digest size Beast oh, Boy Loves the Cammy Garcia stuff. Yes, yes, which I really enjoyed, and it is fun to see different iterations of these characters still express 
that same those same characteristics that makes their love unique and special. Yeah, and, and, and I'm excited to see them in full crisis mode. And that's why we gravitate towards somebody like Tom Taylor when you're reading Nightwing. You're like, well, <laughs> like this is actually the book we were really searching for when we were discussing the Dick and Babs relationship back in 2021, mm-hmm, 2020. Mm-hmm. And w- w- now we've got Nightwing and now we have Titans and you look at uh, other writers like Brian Michael Bendis or Tom King, where the plot is really secondary to just finding a way in to explore the dynamics between these really strange and wonderful human beings. I also really love this take on Gar's abilities. Mm-hmm. Which I don't want to spoil, but it's really just well. Very interesting I mean, we talk me. about it a little yeah. bit in the conversation, right? You know, Gar when he becomes a whale and his brain increases, that changes something about him. <laughs> that, that 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 is like but, really but odd to explore. It's odd to explore because Gar is still in there with those yeah. new abilities, and I wonder, and, I wonder how that's going to translate to oh, what is happening what, on Earth right yeah, now yeah, yeah, and yeah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the yeah. Okay, don't say anything. But if you're reading the Titans main series, the ongoing series, they've also been exploring when Gar shifts into a swarm of flies. Mm-hmm. And when he's a swarm of flies and someone swats and kills one of those flies, a piece of Gar is gone. Yeah. So I think that's going to become really relevant in Beast World. And also, I love a cult story. I yeah. love the Brother Eternity spin. And uh, we just watched that Twin Flames, Escaping Twin Flames. Disturbing. Really upsetting. Yeah, it's on uh, Max, the one to watch for HBO. Don't join a cult, friends. Yeah, no Don't thanks. Don't join a cult. But get on Titans. Get on <laughs> Titans. Enjoy it like we're enjoying it. And if you are enjoying it like we're enjoying it, please let us know. Uh, send us your thoughts on all the social medias. But that is going to do it for us this week. A little bit of a short episode, a short conversation, a tease with Tom Taylor. Hopefully we'll get Tom Taylor back as he promised at the end of that conversation. You all heard it. Yeah. Uh, But I can tell you that next week, our episode with Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Mayleave talking about Masterpiece, their new series from Dark Horse Comics, that is a thorough conversation. That is a really long conversation. And so fun. And it really feels like a counseling session for Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maley. They had not seen each other in a long time. It was the first interview that they had recorded for Masterpiece and they do a lot of catch up. It's really, really cute. Uh, I was thrilled to be a part of that conversation. Uh, So while you are probably no doubt seeing all the interviews that Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maley are doing with all all the podcasts right now know that our podcast interview with them was first. And I don't think you're going to hear the conversation uh, anywhere else. Like the one you'll hear on comic book couples counseling. We are barreling furiously towards the end of the year. Yes. And we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up right now. We are working on the gift guide for the website. We are furiously reading as many comics that came out this year as we can because we're going to do our big end of the year stampies and we want to be well read for that. But I just really want to take a pause and take this moment since it is the week of Thanksgiving to express how tremendously thankful we are for you, the listener. Um, We're thankful for all of the creators that we've gotten to talk to this year. It really has been a mind-blowing year. Super thankful to all of our patrons as well. Thankful to everyone who keeps this show going. And that's everyone listening to our voices right now. Thank you. 
Thank you. You've really made 2023 one for the books. Yeah, yeah. This It's definitely been the biggest year for comic book couples counseling, and it's because of everyone uh, who's listening to this right now. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. And December 1st, Lisa is going to mark the fifth anniversary of comic book couples counseling. Can you believe it? And uh, we're going to do something special. Uh, we're going to just tease this right now. Hashtag Skema. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hashtag scam. We are going there. We are going there. Uh, and we look forward to you joining us as we go there. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, also, hold on. One last plug. One last plug, Lisa. Ooh. December 3rd, two days after our fifth anniversary, we will be at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia, screening Flash Gordon. How fun. Alongside our buddies at Four Color Fantasies, the Eisner-nominated comic book store, the Alamo Film Club, and Psycho's cinema come on out and join the fun we will be having a virtual introduction by the current flash gordon cartoonist dan Schade. i'm very yeah. excited to get that from him there will be prizes there will be prizes there'll be trivia uh it's gonna be a, a blast we've been doing these comic book film clubs at the alamo now for a year i cannot believe it yeah from howard the duck to flash gordon where will we go in 2024 we, Someplace we marvelous, maybe? Ooh. We don't know for certain. No, we don't. We don't. No, <laughs> no, no. That's the nature of programming. The studio's got to play ball. Maybe our first t-shirt, our first comic book couples counseling t-shirt can be Titans related. And it would say something to the effect of, I'm just tossing this out there. Um, cover your holes. <laughs> It's for your safety. <laughs> CBCC podcast. Where can our listeners send the words of affirmations to you, Brad? Oh, you can find me covering my holes <laughs> on most social medias at Mouthdork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at a cool hand fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art show poster and our fifth anniversary poster, which you can get a preview of in our comic book couples counseling holiday gift guide, send them to Karen charm at karen underscore x-men fan lisa where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you i'm always accepting words of affirmation at sidewalk siren on instagram and twitter if you'd like to spend more quality time with us you can subscribe to us on podbean spotify youtube google apple Podcasts, or whatever app you prefer we're everywhere if you'd like to get exclusive Ooh. you can join our patreon where you'll get more content including weekly bonus episodes if you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically you can email the podcast cbcc podcast at gmail.com you can visit our website comicbookcouplescounseling.com or follow us on all the socials at cbcc podcast you can give us the gift of five stars on apple podcasts and if you'd like to do an act of service why not write a review of the show while you're there yes please we are fluent and receptive in all five love languages it really warms our hearts and helps the pod so until next time friends keep your love tank full and your psychic rapport open lisa where can our listeners send their words of Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation? Huh? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? 